0: I love our announcements. Sometimes I feel like church is just a giant string of announcements, Uh, because we've always got more. And this morning, I have one extra special announcement. Uh, And she's going to kill me, but that's okay. Hi, Debbie. (laughs) Uh, Debbie, who you may or may not know, is amazing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And Debbie, at the end of the month, is retiring. Yes. Well, she can't go anywhere because, like, her entire family's here. So where's she going to go? Um, I mean, her dad started the church. Um, she is an amazing woman. Uh, and Debbie has been here for, I think, it's like 20 years uh, since it was the original Hollywood Road Church. And then she was a secretary and doing stuff at a church for, like, 20 years before that. Like, so much of what uh, we are, uh, Debbie has been a part of making happen. She works tirelessly behind the scenes and always behind the scenes. She doesn't want to get in front of them, so I didn't put a picture up, I didn't want her to, you know, when I come into the office on Tuesday morning, throw something at me. Uh, but Debbie's amazing. We're going to miss her tremendously. Um, so what we're going to do is next week and the week after, we're going to have a basket. If you want to like write her a card, a note of encouragement, just something, just saying how amazing she is. And if you don't know her, you can just say, Debbie, you're amazing. That's what everyone says. Um, and so that would be good too. But We love Debbie, and we are going to miss seeing her smiling face in the office every week. Um, So that's as much as I'll say about that, because she's giving the eyes. Um, So we are back in Romans this morning, and I am so excited for that. Um, I love getting back to just the Bible. Uh, No more special things for a little bit. Um, So Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8 is where we're going to be at this morning. Uh, If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If you're not familiar, Romans is in the New Testament about that deep. Uh, If you've got a phone, you can use your phone. If you've got a Bible, turn there or it's going to be on the screen. So we begin. So what advantage does the Jew have? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Considerable in every way. First, they were entrusted with the words of God what then if some were unfaithful were their unfaithfulness nullify god's faithfulness absolutely not let god be true even though everyone is a liar as it is written that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge but if our righteousness highlights god's or if our unrighteousness highlights god's righteousness what are we to say i'm using a human argument is god unrighteous to inflict wrath absolutely not otherwise how will god judge the world but if by my lie God's truth abounds to his glory why am I still being judged as a sinner and why not just as some people slanderously claim we say let us do good that evil may come their condemnation is deserved the word of the Lord Um, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into this but just in the very beginning I want us to just address something real quick Um, and it's I want to make I was talking to my wife like it's one of those things where I like I feel like I need to say it but I want to make sure everybody's really clear No one in this church has said, or I believe would even say anything like this, but there's this rise of anti-Semitism in in the country and in the world right now. And as we're reading through the book of Romans, we read this phrase, the Jews, quite often. And the reason I want to address this is because the things that we do here uh, on a Sunday morning, like most things in our life, live forever on the internet. And I just want to make sure that we all understand what we're saying when we use this phrase. Paul, who's writing this, was a Jewish man. He, he worshipped a Jewish God. He, he followed a Jewish Messiah, and he worshipped in Jewish ways. When Paul's talking about the Jews here, he's not being derogatory against a group of people. He was a Jewish person. But what he's trying to communicate is that, in this one is actually it's a, it's a highlighting a good thing, but usually what he's trying to do is say, like, the Jews, like, you're no different than the Gentiles. Like, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Judaism and Christianity were the same religion up until about AD 80, 80, 85, somewhere right around in there. What happened at that point is the rabbis put this, uh, they've got a prayer that you would pray to go into the synagogue, and they added this line that Christians couldn't pray. And that began to separate the two religions. But traditionally, what we're reading when we talk about the Jews is not something derogatory against uh, a nationality or an ethnicity or a group of people. It's talking about very specific people in a very specific time in a very specific way. Paul was a Pharisee. So when Paul bashes the Pharisees, it's like if I, as a pastor, bash other pastors, I can do it. Like, that's, that's one of the job descriptions is we get to talk bad about each other, right? Like, if you, uh, I go to Walmart, which is why we talk bad about Walmart, <laughs> right? We get it. We understand that, like, we can do that thing. But if somebody else does it, we understand, hold on, that's my little brother, you know? That type of thing. Paul is also talking sometimes about what he calls the Judaizer which was a sect of uh, Judaism that were believers in the Messiah that thought that Gentiles had to be converted to Judaism before they could be Christians. So these are what the things that he's talking about when he talks about the Jews. Now that's important because again, this section starts off with, so what advantage does the Jew have? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Considerable in every way. First, they were entrusted with the very words of God. This section starts with an admonishment that like the Jews were given the words of God. When we go back and we read the entire Old Testament, what we see is God creating a people group and then speaking through this people group so that the world would know who he is. Some were unfaithful, though. And so that's where Paul jumps in with this. Is does their unfaithfulness mean that God's unfaithful? Well, let God be true, even though everyone is a liar. If we were to give a... a something to hold on to this section for us, that would be what it is, is that God is true. God is faithful, he is right, even though we're all wrong. As people, we we fail and we falter and we make mistakes and we misspeak and we get things wrong, but God is always true. As created beings, we have attributes of things that we can try to grow in and learn and develop, things like faithfulness or perseverance. But there's skills, and if we think of them like a skill, I think it helps a little bit. Uh, if we were to think of uh, a skill like faithfulness, like playing the guitar, there's all sorts of things that goes into it. There's mechanical things. I've got to teach my fingers how to move in a certain way, right? I have to have strength in my joints and flexibility to be able to hold down chords. I have to understand that if I move my hand this way, it does this, and this way, it does that. And then there are things I have to learn mentally ever, as well. I have to understand chords and, and notes and timing which I don't and you have to know all these things and then there's dozens of skills and then you have to put all of these skills together in order to be able to do something like playing the guitar faithfulness being faithful is the same way it's not something that we as human beings do very well on our own it's a skill that we have to develop and work on the Greek word is pistis, and it just means to have confidence in. And if we're honest, a lot of times we don't have confidence in the things we want to. But we can with attention, giving attention to it, and practice, and perseverance. We as human beings have to develop a skill like faithfulness. God does not. See, we're, we're, we're like, uh, God is not a composite being. We are. God is not made up of his individual attributes. You know, we read in the Bible that God is love. God is faithful, God is holy, God is just. He is not all these things in different compartments and sections kind of like we are. Like, I might be really um, patient when it comes to, uh, you know, my family and and you guys and and friends and people I love and then not patient, you know, when I'm driving. That wasn't a joke, Melina. (laughs) It's true though, right? I can can do well in one area and poorly in another area. God is not like that. God is faithful, right? We can be faithful and selfish and struggle at the same time. God is not like that. God is always who he is. He is always faithful. He's always holy. He's always just. He's always loving. He's always merciful. In our failing, To be faithful, it oftentimes highlights where we can grow to be more like God, but God is not like us. Verses 3 and 4 tell us that God promises to be faithful even though we're unfaithful. It's because he doesn't have to practice. God doesn't have to try to be faithful to us. He just is because it's not a quality or attribute like we can attain or even understand. Charles Ryan, his book on theology, doesn't call them attributes. He calls them the perfections of God. So, in the category of perfections of God, we have faithfulness. Because God has it in perfection. We read in the Bible, it says God is love. We read in the Bible, and it says God is justice. He demands justice. He has love and he has justice that exist in perfect harmony with one another. Because in his justice, he also has mercy. God is not a sum total of his parts, and he's not pieces that like we are. Right? Uh, Second Timothy chapter two verses twelve and thirteen says, "If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faith- faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself." God is faithful. That that is. It, that is the end of the story when we're trying to talk about it. We, we can add different modifiers if we want, if it helps us, but it really what it comes down to is he is faithful, and it doesn't, his faithfulness doesn't depend on us. right? Just like with creation, God exists outside of it. He's not dependent on time, space, or matter. He enters into these things, and he affects things that happen within these ecosystems, but he's not affected by them. He's not controlled by them. Just like our faithlessness doesn't defect his faithfulness. He's not restrained by any of that. John Stott says the one and only thing God cannot do because he will not is to deny himself or act contrary to himself. He will always remain faithful. We mess up, we make mistakes, we fall short, God remains faithful. And our inability to be faithful doesn't change his. This is, the, this is the, I'm hammering in on this a lot because it's, it's really important. And when we start to understand that he is faithful, we start to change. When we start to grasp what it means for God to be faithful, we start to change. We start to become different. We start to walk differently. The reason we dwell on our sin and in our past is because we forget that God is faithful. So we think that we've messed up and we belong to stay there. I'm in trouble, I've sinned, I've, I, I've, I've, I've sinned against God, I've sinned against other people, whatever it might be. He just, he, he can't look at me anymore. No, he's faithful, you belong over here. The, the thing we do when we sin is we run and we hide and God says, no, I'm faithful, come back to me. When we understand that he's faithful, all sorts of things in our life start to change. We find breakthrough in area that we di- areas that we didn't know we needed breakthrough in. We find the ability to receive forgiveness and forgive others. We find the ability to not let people drag us back to where we don't belong anymore because we know where we are because God has put us here and he's faithful. We don't let the past define us anymore. We were, my wife and I were watching something the other night, we were watching The Chosen, and uh, there's a line, we've watched season two probably two or three times, And um, there's this line where, I don't remember who says it, I think it's Philip, um, is we're always talking about what we were, but once we, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but once we follow the Messiah, it's about who we are. That's what's important. It doesn't mean there's not consequences for actions. It doesn't mean that if you're in jail because you committed armed robbery, and you're watching this, and you say, well, now I'm in Jesus, so I'm free. Yes, spiritually you're free. We still have consequences for our actions sometimes, but it doesn't mean that we belong there anymore. He's faithful. Everything that we are, everything that we want to be, really hinges on the fact that God is faithful. If you messed up last night, it doesn't matter. He's faithful. If you, He knows the future. He knows the things you're going to do. So if you're having one of those times where you're riding high with Jesus and every prayer you're praying, he's answering and you think, this is it, I've arrived, I'm on the mountaintop and two months from now and you sin in a horrible way, he's still faithful. It's not dependent on you or I. It's just that he's faithful because he's good. We've got so much going on in our lives right now. We are only many days, what, 14 days into 2024, and I've already had talked to numerous people and seen numerous things with, with people that we're close to, either here at the church or otherwise, and who are like, man, 2024 has been a rough year so far, and it's hard because things are going on. It, we Bills are piling up. Uh, people are out of work. Uh, you're having car troubles. You're having marriage problems, whatever it might be. B- we have to do this mental shift where, and sometimes it means we get up early to do it. We get up before the day starts to attack us, and we get up early and go, Jesus, you said you're faithful. So even though I don't see what I want to see right now, I'm going to trust that you're still good, and I'm going to trust that you're still God. Sometimes we make declarations in faith based on what he has said. Just like the song we sang, I am a child of God. You are for me. You are not against me. And we push forward in that. Acts 16.25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas were singing hymns and praising God because he's faithful, not because life was easy. They were in jail. Our ability to sing and praise doesn't hinge on the fact of what's going on in our life. It's on the fact that he's faithful. When we understand that, we can sing in the hardest of circumstances. I remember—I um, don't know if I shared this with you guys—but I remember. So, we were supposed to be moving to North Africa uh, a couple years ago. Everything was lined up. We we're getting stuff prepared. we were ready to go. It was the culmination of like a five-year plan. Getting ready to move to Africa and do uh, missions and ministry in a Muslim country. We were excited. Everything was great, and then that was 2020, so COVID happened. We're like, that's okay, this will blow over. (laughs) No big deal. What year are we in now? But so we give it a little bit of time. Give it a little bit of time when you're like, okay, we're just going to wait, kind of wait it out. We reached a point where we realized this isn't going to happen. It took two years for that country to open back up, so it's a good thing we made the decision that we did. The day that we decided this is not happening, I don't understand why, I don't understand any of it, I sat in our bedroom and I listened to, I can't remember the name of the song, I think it's Even When It Hurts from Hillsong. And I cried and I worshiped and I prayed and I praised and I said, God, you are still faithful even though this hurts like hell. You are still good. And I don't understand. But nowhere in your Bible do I see where you tell me I get to understand. You said I have to trust you. That's what we're called to do. God is faithful because that is who he is. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. They fail not as thou have been forever will be let God be true even though everyone is a liar from Genesis to Revelation every book chapter and verse in between testifies to the fact that God is faithful that's what we're supposed to understand that's what we're supposed to take away verses 5 through 8 here ask some follow up questions then basically saying why are we called guilty if God uses our unfaithfulness and why should we not just do evil that good should happen it's an old argument that's new as well John of the Cross, a desert father, wrote and said, human beings neither know how to rejoice properly or how to grieve properly, for they do not understand the distance between good and evil. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't understand him, if you've never spent time in his word and in prayer and asking for the Holy Spirit to come and enlighten you and instruct you and to teach you the things of God, then you figure, well, what's the difference? If I do good, God gets glory, and if I do bad, God gets glory, so might as well just do what I want, right? It doesn't work that way. God uses our failings. He uses our wickedness. He uses our, our sin and our shortcomings to demonstrate his faithfulness, and he, he uses our unfaithfulness to show that the fact that he is, but we should always be a people who are moving away from sin and towards God. We should always be a people who are not, again, remember we talked about this before, not running just away from something, but running from something and to Jesus. And when we do that, things change a little bit. John 15, 8, Jesus says, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. I'm going to repeat that. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now, the hard part is this comparison. Comparison is a thief of joy. We all know this. Don't judge. It, this is just a little side note for us. Don't judge the fruit you're producing by the fruit someone else is producing. You don't know what kind of plant you are. Okay? Like, just raw fruits. <laughs> Thank you. I needed a sip. Don't judge your fruit by someone else's fruit, okay? An an apple tree, it's something like for the first three or four years that you plant an apple tree, it doesn't produce fruit. It doesn't mean that tree is bad. It means it's growing. You don't know what God's doing in someone else's life. If you want to judge whether or not you're bringing God to glory and producing much fruit, look back on your own life, pay attention to your own self, and see what God's been doing in your life. Don't worry about what God's doing in Michael's life. Michael produces the fruit, not this Michael, that Michael. He produces the fruit he does because of the things God has brought him through. Because of the the way God has watered the ground in his life. We don't compare our fruit to each other, we compare it to our own past and see what God is doing in us. But that should be the goal. We wanna produce fruit for Jesus. We want to be faithful like he is faithful. And again, I go back to, is an a, it's an acquired and practiced skill. Faithfulness is a skill. It's something that we work on developing. It's something we cultivate. So how do we do it? I'm going to give us three simple ways that we, we work on cultivating the, 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 the uh, faithfulness. First is we pray. Psalm 51.10 says, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. If we want to be faithful, it starts with prayer starts with praying. It starts with uh, getting on our knees. It starts with humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, you placed the seed of faithfulness within me. Galatians five twenty two and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you, if you are a follower of the Messiah, if you claim Jesus is Lord, then he has placed the seed of faithfulness within you. And the first thing to do is pray. Jesus, you have put this seed of faithfulness within me. Help me. It's his seed. The fruit's going to be produced because of what he's doing. So we pray and we submit. Number two is practice. We have the seed, we have the gift, and now we have to practice. We fail. We will. But then we get to... Pray and look back and see where we failed, and then ask God to teach us the lesson we need to learn, and why we did that. I was having, uh, I was meeting with somebody this week, and I said that's one of the things that I, I, I'm constantly trying to trying. That's the key word there. Trying to do is when I fail, when I sin, when I fall down, when I when I make mistakes, is to look back and go, why did I do that? What happened? I get it. I did this thing, whatever this thing was. I got angry and you know, taught a sailor a few new words. Why did I do it, though? Like, what happened to cause this chain of reactions that led me to that point? It's like 50 years of marriage. We have a couple of couples in our church that have been married for like 50 years. That didn't happen over the course of a week or two. It took 50 years to get there. There were mistakes, there were failures, there were faults, there were... Issues, but every day was looking back and going, hey, not every day, but you get what I'm saying, is looking back as a a whole and going, this is where we want to be. So even though we make mistakes, we're still going to keep practicing. Here's something interesting. I was reading the book of Job uh, the other morning, uh, or the other night, I don't know, the other day. Um, I'm reading the book of Job, and the Hebrew word amen which, not amen, amen, which is translated faithful, is never in the book of Job. Like it doesn't talk about, it actually never describes Job as being faithful. But the whole book is actually about him being faithful. Faithful is not just a word, it's a lifestyle. And it's it's something we develop and practice over time. And often it's not seen until we're looking back in the rearview mirror. Again, just like the fruit, we're looking, Back at what happened and saying, hey, I'm producing so much more fruit than I was before. I'm being so much more faithful now than I was before. Constant steps that we put in front of us. And number three is seek opportunities. In the movie, uh, Evan Almighty, uh, God, AKA Morgan Freeman, asks Joan Baxter, if someone prays for patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them opportunities to be patient? Number one, don't ever pray for patience. You are on your own, if you pray for that one. God might give you children. <laughs> no offense, Lexi, and I'm mine. but um, If we want to be faithful, what we have to have is actually opportunities to practice faithfulness. Temptation, exhaustion, weakness trials, tribulation. These things are all opportunities to practice faith. What would happen if we started looking at at the things that come against us as opportunities to practice faithfulness? And then when we fail, we get to look back on it and say, okay, I see why I failed that test. Lord, I think I'm ready for another one. I meet with people fairly uh, regularly, and uh, one of the things I hear from people a lot, uh, especially over the the course of my ministry, is people coming to me and saying, I want to be in ministry. And my first question is always the same, what are you doing now? Being in ministry, if that's something that you desire, is just like being faithful. Okay, then be faithful. It's really that simple. I want to be faithful to my spouse. Then be faithful to your spouse. It's not like I can give you a pill. Just do it. The things that we want to do, the faithfulness that we want, it comes from the opportunities to practice that thing. So when we go out, when we're interacting with people, when, when we're having a bad day, It's an opportunity to practice faithfulness. And because God is faithful, even when we get it wrong, he's still good. He doesn't cast us aside because we messed it up. He goes, that's okay. I knew you were going to mess up. He's already there. He sees the totality of the picture. Our mistakes and our successes don't surprise him. God is faithful. We're not. But we should desire it because He's put the seed within us. So we can pray and ask God to help us. We can practice faithfulness and learn from our mistakes. and we can seek opportunities to be faithful. You have the band come up. That would be my encouragement to you. This week. I think that third. And we'll have the prayer teams come up as well. We'll have prayer in the front and in the back. And if you need prayer because you want to be more faithful, this is a good time to come up for prayer. But here's my encouragement to us this week. And I mean us, all of us. Look for opportunities to be faithful. It doesn't matter how big or how small the opportunity is. Look for an opportunity to be faithful. And if you succeed, give God praise, glory, and honor. And if you fail, ask him to help you do it better next time. Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that no matter what, you are for us. Jesus, you are for us even when we're against ourselves. You are for us even when we can't or don't even want to get out of bed in the morning you are for us when we don't feel like we should be worth anything you are for us because you are faithful Jesus, you have proved even though you don't have to you have proved your faithfulness over and over again so lord i just pray and ask that we have opportunities to be faithful like you this week Give us the strength to succeed. We want to succeed. We want to do well. We want to be a people marked by faithfulness. But if we mess up, remind us that you're still faithful. Jesus, we bless your holy name. Pray that we see you more in our lives and that people.